We're in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Peter 5. And uh, I'm so thankful for the church. I'm thankful for God's institution of the church, the privilege and opportunity to be able to gather together to worship the King of Kings, brothers and sisters, big family of God. And uh, I, in fact, this morning I was just excited. You know, you grow up, I grew up in church and, and uh in Jackson County, and when I was over there, uh, we had choir back in the day. We had a youth choir, and I was just reliving some moments with Scott McCormick sitting behind me singing in my ear down here uh, of youth choir days, and uh, you were on note this morning, so that was good. That was really good singing, but uh, just reliving some moments this morning. First Peter chapter 5, talking about God's job description for a pastor God's job description for a pastor. We've been walking through First uh, Peter, and here we are in this text of Scripture today. And, uh, and, and just a question. When you, when you think about a pastor of a church, what, do you, what would you say? How would you write a job description? What would you say to that? Where would you begin, and what would it look like? Uh, uh, what kind of job description would you come up with? And uh, there's a lot of caricatures, a lot of misconceptions about what it is to be a pastor. And I think sometimes we don't even know what we're supposed to be about. And so... Uh, God help us understand biblically what does it mean, what does it look like to be a pastor. I read a humorous description for a pastor uh, uh, from a church that says this, he's 30 years old uh, but needs to have 20 years of experience. He needs to wear a suit uh, but not be overdressed. Lead the church to be contemporary but don't change. Uh, Be prepared to preach and always accessible. Invest in kids, uh, hang out with seniors, visit the sick, counsel the struggling, evangelize sinners, but make sure you're a good family man on top of all that. And uh, But when I think about the church, I am so thankful to God uh, uh, for, for our church and uh, understanding that, that God established the church. And the way God established the church, he, he established it uh, for success, just like the family, uh, a biological family. Uh, God gave roles for the family so that we would succeed in our homes. And, and, and the same is true with churches. He says, here's some roles that we need to make sure uh, we're doing a good job with if we want to succeed. And so uh, one of the questions that has to be asked is when you look around at churches today, why is it that so many churches are struggling along the way? Uh, I think that in large part we're not fulfilling our roles and responsibilities. I think that there's some job descriptions that we need to make sure that we are about along the way. So God help us. Uh, I'm I'm so blessed. I've been here for 19 years of visiting with us. We have several visitors today, uh, but I've been here for 19 years and I'm thankful to God for uh, uh, just just blessing me with the opportunity to serve here. In fact, I've said before, uh, there is no place I would rather be than with our church family right here at Morningside. I, I love our church family. Thankful to God for our church family. They have been very gracious. You have been very gracious and merciful to me. And I thank God for just the privilege to be able to serve as pastor uh, of, of such an incredible Church, And so with that being said, we're looking at roles and responsibilities of the pastor, the pastor's job description, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, therefore, in other words, we're continuing this line of thinking, and so what's he talking about? He's been describing difficult days, and so he says, therefore, in light of the difficulties to come, uh, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and, and partaker also of the glory uh, that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, 
not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, uh, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so, again, he's writing, and he's simply saying this. Hey, listen, pastors, in light of the difficulties that are to come, make sure you don't jump ship. And, uh, and one of the things we see happening oftentimes is at the first sign of struggle, uh, uh, the pastors will jump ship and leave town. And, and he's saying, hey, make sure you stick with the stuff. Make sure you're faithful to your calling. And, and, and by the way, some of these principles we're going to walk through this morning can be applied to all of us because I believe that's true of all of us. I believe that God establishes and calls the church together. And with that being said, I think that he gives roles and responsibilities to all of us and make sure that we are where God wants me to be. Sometimes we will go through difficult days together. And that doesn't mean it's time to jump ship. It just means, hey, just be faithful through it all. And so he's saying, hey, be faithful. Here's what you are to do. And so he gives three. uh, Basically, he begins and he says, here's to the elders of the church. And and by the way, when you're reading through the New Testament, there are three words that are used interchangeably uh, for the position of pastor. This one particularly is elders. And so when you're talking about elders, that's not just talking about an older person. Uh, uh, You know, when you're talking about an elder of a church, that's speaking to spiritual maturity uh, and and not just age. Because oftentimes what we do is we ascribe uh, maturity to age as if they're directly proportionate, but that's not always the case. In fact, sometimes you'll meet people uh, uh, that are older in age but not very deep in wisdom. And God help us in understanding that he's saying, hey, a pastor is one that ought to be wise. A pastor ought to be one that's wise because of the task that he's been given. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12, the Bible says this. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And so Paul is writing to Timothy in this particular letter, and Paul is saying, hey, make sure, he's he's talking to Timothy, and he's saying, hey, make sure nobody looks down on you because of your youth. And so a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll take verses and, and, and not really look at the context of the verse and forget that he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young man. In fact, by this time, most scholars would say he's somewhere in his early 30s by the time this letter is written to him in his ministry, and he's had the privilege and opportunity to be mentored uh, day-to-day with the Apostle Paul. And so he's writing not to a 12 or 13 or 14-year-old, but rather to a young man that's been mentored and he's now serving as a pastor and he's saying, make sure nobody's looking down on your youthfulness. In other words, elders is not just a term meaning an old person, but rather a spiritually wise person. Another word that's used in the New Testament would be that of bishop. Uh, uh, the bishop. What is a bishop? A bishop speaks to the overseeing and administration of the church. And he's saying that's part of the responsibility. These three terms are used interchangeably. And really what they're doing is describing, they're describing the roles and responsibilities of the pastor. And so, and so he's also to be administrator or, or an overseer uh, to oversee the ministries. But then also in this particular passage we have shepherd uh, or a pastor. 
pastor. And uh, what does a shepherd do or a pastor do? Well, he feeds and he uh, guides and he guards along the way. That's what they're to do. And so here we have a letter coming from, uh, so, so, so let me just back up for a minute. Because there's some people that say, say, they'll say, hey, Bishop Brian. Some people call me Bishop Brian. And, uh, and uh, that's all fine and good. Uh, some people say, what am I supposed to call you? Just be nice when you call me, all right? I don't care what you call me. But, 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 but any of those terms, any of those terms are describing the same position, whether it be elder, whether it be bishop, whether it be pastor. They're describing the same position, the same office. Just be nice. Uh, uh, and so the apostle, uh, so Peter's writing and he's saying, hey, from one pastor to another, let me just give you a word. Uh, uh, in fact, when you look and, and, and you look at how Peter describes himself in this particular passage, he says, therefore, I exert, uh, exert, I exhort the elders among you as your fe- fellow elder. In other words, why do you point that out? <clears throat> Here's why we're pointing that out. He, he's not the pope. He's not setting him up as the potentate of the church. He's saying, I'm a fellow elder. And, and, so, and so it bears weight when he's writing. He's, he's, he's describing himself, and he's describing one who bears weight. Why? Because he understands what a pastor's going through. There is an invisible weight. There's just an invisible, indescribable weight uh, uh, that, that, a, that a lay person would never know because it's not yours to carry. In fact, the only one that he can even come close to knowing the weight and responsibility that's entrusted would be a pastor's wife. And, uh, and today, I, I'm telling you, I am so grateful to God. God blessed me in a lot of ways, but one of the greatest blessings in my life is my wife. And, uh, and uh, I've said before, I, I wouldn't have made it for two years had she not been by my side. And I'm, I'm grateful to her. Uh, they have to love and, and appreciate and sometimes even lie. Um, that was a great sermon, preacher. But uh, I appreciate that. But, uh, but, but he's describing himself, and he says this, As your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings in Christ and partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> it's real to me. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I was there. I saw him beaten. I saw him persecuted. I saw him suffer. I saw the crucifixion. But I'm also a witness of the glories of Christ. Man, I was there, and I saw, I saw the transfiguration. I saw the glory. I got a glimpse of glory that is to come. In fact, I saw him ascend to the right hand of the throne of God. What's he saying? He's saying it's real to me. It's real to me. Jesus Christ is not just someone that I've heard about, but I know him intimately. And I'm talking to pastors and saying, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to know the one you're talking about. Don't just fake it. And so then he goes on and he says, here's the job that you're called to do. Here's the job that you're called to do. Verse number two, he begins and he says, here's the ministry of the pastor. Shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight. And then he goes on there. But two words, the ministry, first of all, the ministry of the pastor. And two words that's used is shepherd and oversight. Shepherd and oversight. And really, when you're talking about a shepherd, uh, you can look at that. And there's so many things, so many responsibilities that go with a shepherd. And he's talking to people who understand what it means to be a literal shepherd. In other words, when you're talking about a shepherd, one of the primary responsibilities of a shepherd is make sure you feed the sheep. I mean, that's the primary responsibility of a shepherd. Guard the flock, guard the flock, but make sure you feed 
the flock. That's a primary responsibility. And then he says also with oversight. What does oversight mean? It means lead, lead. And that's exactly what a shepherd also does, is to lead. So we're to, to lead and to feed. And so he's talking about a valuable stewardship issue. I mean, think about what he's saying here. He's saying that there's the chief shepherd who is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. That means that these, these sheep, by the way, how he describes y'all. Uh, uh, he, says, he, he says, these sheep. And by the way, you know, we, we, we have vacation Bible school coming soon, and, uh, and we sing some songs. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the most popular songs we sing is, I Just Want to Be a Sheep. And uh, we probably ought to stand up and sing it right now. I just want to be a sheep. Ba 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 ba. And uh, uh, it's a great song. But, 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 but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's saying, hey, listen, listen. Shepherd the sheep, shepherd the flock, take care of them, feed them, and lead them. Because one day the chief shepherd's going to come. And, and, and can I tell you something? Sheep to a shepherd are priceless, they're valuable. And he's saying, one day you under shepherd, you pastor, you preacher, one of these days, you'll give an account to the chief shepherd for the sheep. It's a stewardship issue. I mean, if you want to look at the pictures that the Bible uses to describe what the family of God is, he says, hey, you know what else the, the family of God is? It's the bride of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is special to the husband. And you'll give an account to how well you took care of the bride. And so it comes with great responsibility, and Peter's just describing it. And he's saying, make sure you feed the flock and make sure that you lead the flock along the way. You know, by the way, when you're talking about a flock, when you're talking about a flock, do you know that, that if you took a sheep by himself, he's very vulnerable, he's supposed to be intended to be a part of the flock, needs to be a part of the flock? And so people today, listen, it's, it's really important to be a part of a church family. Uh, that's how God created you. He wants you to be a part of a church family, a part of the fold, a part of the flock. He says, here's, here's, here's what it looks like. You come and you get underneath somebody that's going to take care of you. They're going to lead you, going to guide you, going to feed you along the way. And that's what we're called to do. So how do you feed them? How do you feed the flock? Preach the word. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Preach the word of God. How do you feed the flock? Make sure that there's food in the trough when they come. What does that look like? That means that on Sunday mornings, on Sunday mornings when the church gathers together, there ought to be food. There ought to be a banquet table. There ought to be a buffet of, of the word of God when people come together. And you know what the problem, one of the problems with the church is today is we've abandoned even that primary responsibility as a pastor. In other words, what we're doing is we're putting our flocks, here's, we're putting our flocks on a slim fast diet. That's what it looks like. How are we doing that? We're, we're exchanging theology for doxology. We'll sing for 40 minutes and preach a 15 minute sermonette and then wonder why, what's wrong with the church? You know what's wrong with the church? We're starving. And you know why we're starving? We're not preaching the word of God. And by the way, it's not just length of sermon that matters. It's substance. What's in it? God help me. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
verses 1 and 2, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. That's the task to which pastor is called. He's to preach the word of God. He's to feed the flock. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about church stuff. Is, uh, in fact, we have a convention coming up, and, and a lot of times at the convention there's church talk. That's what you do. Uh, you, you talk church. And, uh, and when you talk in church, it's interesting because, because as churches go, oftentimes what happens is, is people will talk about what's happening in churches and, and, and how many you got at your church. And it doesn't really matter. I don't know, man. I I'm just, I'm just want to be faithful doing my job. And, 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 and at the end of the day, what's interesting is sometimes people will say, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, man, all they're doing is swapping sheep. All they're doing is swapping sheep. You're just getting people from other people's flocks, and they're just coming down to your flock. To which I would say, you know, it's not a big deal. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me how or what happens with people along the way, so long as they're getting fed. I believe this to be true. Again, you put feed in the trough, and the sheep will come, especially hungry ones. And you say, well, then why does it? Sheep leave sometimes. Well, sometimes, sometimes we're not doing a good job putting the feed out. But sometimes the animal's sick and lost their appetite. And we have to ask ourselves, which one is true? Which one is true? I mean, if, if, if ever I'm in a church family and, and, and I feel like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just need to leave this church. Well, is it, is it because God leading or is it because food's not being put in the trough, what's going on? God help us. The ministry of the pastor, number one, is to preach. And number two would be to lead. And how do you lead? How do you lead? How do you oversee a flock and a fold? You do it prayerfully. So, so if you're looking at the twofold primary, primary tasks to which a pastor is called to, He's called to preach and to pray because it's about feeding and it's about leading. How do you feed? Through the preaching of the word. How do you lead? Through much, much prayer. Why? Because this isn't my church and it's not your church. It's God's church. And at the end of the day, I want to know, God, what plans do you have for our body? Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to be about? And you get on your knees and you pray. You fast and you pray. And you seek God's direction and you seek God's vision. And the problem with so many times is people want to please people and at the end of the day you just can't please people. That's not what we're called to do. It's to please people. But to please the one that called me. How do you do it? You pray. God, write your plans on my heart. And when you're talking about a church, when you're talking about a church that's functioning and a church that's healthy, you'll have a pastor who's preaching and you'll have a pastor who is praying. And, and, and not only do you have a pastor who's preaching and praying, but he's leading. And so what's the responsibility of the people? The people's responsibility is to follow. To follow. Unless he gets out of step. Biblically. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verses 17 and 18. Hebrews 13, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, Obey uh, your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. 
pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And so really, if the church is to function well, you got to have pastors doing their job and people doing their job. And at the end of the day, this is what I would always encourage people to do. You pray, God, where do you want me to be a part of the flock? What, what flock do you want me to be a part of? And, and, and make sure that the pastor is somebody that you can follow. I mean, at the end of the day, because he's saying that's, that's the job, follow. And if he's not worthy to follow, if, if, if there's something wrong with that guy, not to say he's perfect because he's never going to be perfect, but if he's biblical, then follow. The Bible says back in the book of Acts, <clears throat> Acts chapter number 6, verses 2 through 4. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. So the twelve summoned the congregation of disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among yourselves seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And that was the apostolic ministry in the early church that's been, again, shifted over to pastors to preach the word of God and to pray fervently. And in order to be able to do that effectively, you've got to rely upon people. And I'm grateful to God for the people in the fold who minister to one another. I'm grateful to God for our deacons. I'm grateful to God for our teachers. I'm grateful to God for just our people. We've got an incredible church, and I'm thankful for that. But the ministry of the pastor is twofold ministry, primarily to preach and to pray. And he goes on from there, and he says, here's the manner with which you go about doing your business. Make sure that you do it, in verse number two, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. Not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to <clears throat> the flock. And so he has a series of contrasts here. And, uh, and, and the first one was, he says, make sure that you're doing it voluntarily and not under compulsion. In other, words, in other words, here's what he's saying. I get to pastor the church. I don't got to, but I get to. I'm looking forward to pastoring the church. In fact, there's pep in the step of a pastor who's doing it voluntarily rather than under compulsion as if I got to do this task today. And so God help me. When you're talking about the job to which we're called to do, don't be lazy or indifferent. It's an incredible privilege. And so there ought to be some passion with which you go about your calling. And that's true of pastors, but that's also true of all of us. When you're talking about to be able to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and to be granted a role in his family, we ought to do it with some passion. We ought to do it with some conviction. In fact, the Bible speaks to that in Colossians chapter number 3. In Colossians 3 and verse number 23, the Bible says it like this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. In other words, when you're talking about ministry, there's no room for mediocrity in ministry. Ought to be excited about your calling. And so it says, make sure you're doing it, not on a compulsion, but voluntarily. But then he goes on, he says, eagerly and not for sordid gain. Eagerly and not for sordid gain. In other words, he's saying, hey, <clears throat> don't overestimate yourself. Uh, 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 it's not about the pay. Don't be looking for the dollars. You do it because you're honored. 
And that's a struggle that pastors have along the way. It's a struggle that all of us have along the way. Pastors have the struggle. Here's what it looks like, practically speaking, with a pastor. Uh, uh, when you're first starting out, when you're first starting out, you're overwhelmed. You are overwhelmed, and, and, and you can't believe. You can't believe that you'd be invited to be able to speak somewhere. And they get paid for it. It's crazy. <laughs> and then after you've been doing it for a while... You get invited to speak somewhere, and you get a $50 check, and you say, man, they're cheap. <laughs> Y'all all right? I'm just saying, it's a, it's, it's a struggle. He says, don't do it for the money. You just do what you're supposed to do, and God will provide. And by the way, that doesn't mean you don't provide for the pastor. I'm grateful to God that our church provides for the pastor. I really am. In fact, the Bible even gives us that responsibility to take care of those guys. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and 1 Timothy uh, and chapter 5 and verse number 17 and 18. The Bible says the elders who rule well uh, are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so I'm grateful to God for the provision. But it's not about the money. At the end of the day, that's not what it's about. In fact, what you will find is you will find some people who are willing to prostitute their ministry for a dollar. I'm just for hire. The next bidder that comes along, that'll increase my salary, I'm gone. I had a conversation with the guy one time. Conversation. In fact, we were at a table, and there was a group of us, and he was a pastor, just a bunch of pastors what are you talking about? Well, we talk about stupid stuff mostly. But this guy, and this guy really did. He, he, he was talking and, 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 and he said this. He said, I believe this to be the case. I believe God's everywhere and you just got to go where the money's at. So you're, not a, you're not a pastor, you're just a prostitute. That's what you are. And, and, and by the way, by the way, I think we would all agree that a pastor ought not to be a man that does what he does for sordid gain. But neither should you. God, where do you want me? I'm not going to take a job, move to a new city, or move just because somebody promises me a couple of bucks in my pocket. God, where do you want me to be? I believe the same God that has plans for me has plans for you. You need to walk with him, trust him, trust him with the provision. He will provide. It's amazing how he provides. That's another topic, but he's been good. Don't do what you do for sordid gain, but do it just simply, eagerly, because you love Jesus and you see the value in doing it. And he says, make sure that you're an example in verse number three. Don't lord it over those allowed it to your charge, but proving to be examples of the flock. Be an example to the flock. In other words, the Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 1. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, I'm, I'm going to set an example to follow. Doesn't mean he's perfect, but it means that with all sincerity, follow me as I follow Christ. Ought to be a living example along the way and the problem that we have today is there's too many celebrities and not enough servants when you're talking about a pastor a pastor ought to be the chief servant in the fold that's what he ought to be 
chief servants. How in the world? How in the world can you say, follow me, if you're not willing to serve yourself? And so, and so we're called to be servants along the way. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right. You know, it's not right to, to, to say, hey, you really ought to be in a connection group because you get to know people there. But then you yourself never go. I, I, I think you ought to be in a connection group. You should be. But I believe I should be too. Uh, in other words, a pastor ought not to be one that just says, hey, uh, do what I say but not as I do. But rather he ought to be able to say, do as I do. I'm going to set an example along the way. I mean, if I, if, if I need the extra 30 minutes on Sunday morning to get ready to preach a sermon, then I'm... <laughs> you can tell it. Servanthood, servant leadership. It's amazing the, the lessons you learn from different people along the way. You know, pastors in my life, I think of the pastors in my life, and I've had a lot of different pastors in my life that I've had the privilege to be able to sit at feet, I've had the privilege to be able to watch in ministry. And it's amazing to me. What's amazing to me is the most moving lessons that I have learned, the most moved I have been, is the lessons that I have been privileged to watch and not hear. The example that's set. The example that's set. One of the greatest lessons I learned from a pastor was Homer Lindsay Jr. Homer Lindsay Jr., he's now deceased, but he was pastoring First Baptist Jacksonville. And First Baptist Jacksonville, 10,000-seat auditorium. It's a big old church. A lot of different people go to that church. He's the senior pastor of that church. And I remember going through the restroom, and it was just me and Dr. Lindsay. And I walked into the restroom, and he was in the restroom wiping down countertops. And, uh, and, and he said, you know, I just don't like to see... Men get their trousers wet. And, uh, and, and, and he didn't just say, I, I've got a whole team. By the way, he did have a whole staff that he could have called. But he saw the need and he said, I will do it. If there's ever a job that's too far under you, you're too big. You need to serve. You need to lead by example. That means I need to pray. That means if I'm going to ask you to pray, I need to pray. If I ask you to give, I need to give. If I ask you to go, I need to go. That's what a pastor's to do. Lead by example. Not just simply telling people what to do, but showing them along the way. The ministry and the manner, how we go about doing what we're doing. But then the motive he gives in verse number four. The motive he gives in verse number four. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfailing crown of glory. And so he says the motive of the pastor. It's amazing uh, what we'll do for temporary rewards along the way. But he says, you make sure you're faithful because you will receive a reward. The crown of glory. Why does he do that? It's not so that you can strut down the streets in heaven. That's not what it's for. You know why he does that? Because one day we're going to have the privilege to be in his presence and we cast our crowns at the feet of the one who deserves it. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, and this ought to motivate all of us to be faithful. When I show up to heaven, I don't want to go empty-handed. I want to be faithful in doing what he called me to do to receive the reward, not so that I can set a trophy shop up in my mansion or whatever he's got for me up there 
but so that we can rest it at his feet when we're worshiping. Revelation 4, 9 through 11. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and because of you, your will, they existed and were created. I don't want to be empty-handed along the way. Hey, this morning, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Number one is this. Are you a part of the flock? I mean, you might be visiting here, and I'm not asking you to come and join this flock. I'm just asking, are you a part of a flock? Are you a part of a fold? If you're saved, you need to be a part of a church family. If you don't have a church home, I would encourage you to consider coming. Be a part of this church home. You don't have to come here, but get involved in a church family. Be a part of the fold, number one. Number two, how do you become a part of the fold? You've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. And this morning, I just want to ask the question, have you ever been born again? Are you saved? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Have you ever been born again? You ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for me. I need the gift of eternal life to receive it open-handedly. Hey, this morning, if you've never cried out to him, I encourage you to cry out to him. Man, I, I, I want to be saved this morning. I want to be a part of his family, forever family. Number three, maybe you're here this morning, and, uh, and maybe God has been knocking on the door of your heart saying, hey, I want you to serve as a pastor somewhere. I want you to, I've got a place prepared for you, and I want to call you out. And maybe you're here this morning and say, hey, you know what, I've been struggling with that. I'd like to talk or I'd like to pray about that direction. I want to encourage you, follow his leading, wherever that is. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And after I pray, uh, we're going to sing a song. After the song's over, we'll have an opportunity. We'll have people down front. If you're here and you say, I would like to talk to somebody about salvation, you come this morning. You come today. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'd like to talk about membership. Hey, I'll tell you what you can do is don't even come here. We're going to have a class just for you. All right, uh, upstairs. So come join us upstairs about joining the fold, joining the flock, and uh, we'll be up there. Number three, I'd like to pray just about God's direction in my life because I really feel like he's leading me in that direction. You come, love to pray with you this morning. After our service, immediately following this service, we have a baptism taking place out in the courtyard, and so I want to encourage you to join us for that celebration as well. Would you do me a favor and, and join me for prayer? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you for your kindness to us, your goodness to us, Father. You have been so faithful, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord Jesus, today I just pray, Father, for each one here. God, I pray for all of us that you'd search our hearts. Father, you know exactly where we are, and I'm grateful that, God, you meet us right where we are. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Father, I pray that we'd obediently follow you. So now, God, I just pray that you'd increase our faith. Oh, God, that we'd respond obediently to your leadership in these moments. 
Thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.